We're thankful to have this time to study together. Appreciate the good Bible reading and good singing that we've already enjoyed. I want to focus on an old song. I don't think the song is in our songbook. But you have been involved in this song before. It's called, Jesus Paid It All. All to Him I Owe. Remember that, Roger? And that's going to be our two points. The first point is going to be, Jesus paid it all. The second point is going to be, all to him I owe. So you can make you two columns if you're writing something down. The word is that back in the 1860s, a young girl was sitting in church service And she thought of these words for this song, Jesus Paid It All. And she handed the lyrics over to some of the guys at church and they set it to music. And in 1865, this good old gospel song was released. And it reminds us of some very important truth in the Bible. And so let's get started here. First column, Jesus Paid It All. I want us to divide these thoughts into three more thoughts. First is a a technical standpoint. A technical standpoint. There are some who who believe, and the more I read about this, I really couldn't believe it, but there are some that that believe that Jesus literally bore our sins. You know, you heard Will read a moment ago from 1 Peter 2. He bore our sins in his body. That he literally bore our sins. That is... That our sins were transferred to him, literally. That he literally carried our sins in his personal body. Uh, That somehow when Jesus died on the cross, he was infected by our sins. Okay. In a literal uh, sense. All right. Uh, This started with Martin Luther way back uh, in the 1600s. And he actually said that Jesus became the greatest transgressor the world has ever known because he took on every sin from homosexuality to fornication to thieves and murderers and robbery. And that is further, furthest from the truth when you think about this. A couple of reasons why that can't be, this can't be a literal bearing of our sins. First, as you very well know, Jesus died as an innocent victim. He's totally sinless. First Peter 1 19 says, you know, he was that lamb without spot and without blemish. Hebrews 4, 15 says he was in all points tempted like as we are, yet uh, without sin. And just numerous passages. And the passage that, that Will read for us a few moments ago from 1 Peter 2 says that he is our example and he suffered uh, for us. How thankful we are. But he did no sin, 1 Peter 2, 22, and neither was guile found in his mouth. So... Jesus did not die with sins in his body or sins upon him because he died as an innocent sacrifice for us, a pure sacrifice, which we desperately needed and need. A second reason it can't be literally that Jesus bore our sins is because that's not the nature of sin. Sin cannot be transferred from one person to another. Sin, sin is a personal choice. We choose our mindset, we choose our activities, and so sin cannot be transferred. James 1, 13, let no man say when he is tempted, he has been tempted of God. For God tempts no man uh, to, 
to do evil, it says. Every man is, is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and then enticed. And then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it's finished with you, it brings forth death. And so it's a personal choice. The truth is that Jesus, of course, did die for our sins. Okay. But uh, we'll look at a few passages and bring out the truth of this. But what Jesus did, he underwent the punishment of death, which is the consequence of sin. Jesus underwent the, the punishment of death, which, of course, is a consequence of sin. And you find this in the book of Romans, um, chapter 6 and 23. The wages of sin is death. Is death. And the free gift of, of uh, God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. But the wages of sin is death. And Jesus underwent that death. So that we would have the opportunity to live with the Lord forever. In Romans 5 and verse 6. While we were yet weak, Christ died for the ungodly. See, he, he took on that death. Even though we were weak and helpless to do anything about our sinful uh, situation. So he underwent the punishment of death. Uh, which is, of course, the consequence of sin. Romans 5, verse 12, through one man, Adam, through one man, sin entered into the world and death through sin. Well, we suffer the consequences, not the guilt. Adam's sin was not transferred to us, but we suffer the consequences of his sin. But Jesus stepped in gladly and lovingly to take on that punishment of sin. Punishment of death, which is a consequence of sin. To say it another way, looking over again to this passage that, that Will read for us in 1 Peter 2, uh, when it says that he uh, bore our sins in his own body on that tree, uh, it's saying there that Jesus took on the penalty of uh, sin being in the world. He took on that penalty. And we rightly deserve that penalty. We deserve to be banished from God. We deserve the punishment that Christ took on, but He gladly took it on for us as an innocent, pure sacrifice for God. There's an Old Testament verse that illustrates what we're trying to say here. Lamentations chapter 5 and verse 7. And you, you might remember the... The situation back in Lamentations, this is Jeremiah lamenting over the fact that his beloved city and people have been taken away into captivity. The reason this took place is because despite God's warnings, they continued in their idolatry and other sinful practices. So God kept his word and brought the Babylonian captivity to them. In Lamentations 5 verse 7, there's a little statement made that says this. Our fathers sinned and are no more, and we bear their iniquities. Our fathers, that is, generations leading up to this time in Lamentations, our fathers sinned, and now they're no more, but we are bearing their iniquities. Okay. It's not that that generation has been taken away in captivity, are guilty of the sins of their fathers, but they're suffering the consequences of what their 
fathers had done. Okay. So similarly, it's not that Jesus literally bears our sins on the cross. Okay. It's not that he really literally takes our sins. Our sins are not transferred to him. But he bore the consequences of our sins. Can you see that? He bore the consequences of our sins. And, and we're so grateful to be able to talk about this because it, it's, it's right at the heart of, of being a Christian. 2 Corinthians 5 verses 20 and 21 is another great passage about this subject. Paul said, He who knew no sin became sin in our behalf. Of course, as we said, Jesus didn't literally become sin or he didn't literally become a sinner but rather he became a sin offering, if you will. That's why he's called the lamb without spot in 1 Peter 1 verse 19. He became a sin offering. He who knew no sin became a sin offering in our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Okay. Put it this way. Jesus was treated as if he was a sinner Though he was not. But it was necessary that he be treated this way in order for him, for him to bear the sins of the world. So Jesus paid it all. That's kind of a technical point. Now I want us to look at a practical point. When we think about Jesus paid it all. A practical point. Why must there be a payment? Okay. Jesus paid it all. That's true. Why must there be a payment? You know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, you were bought, notice that, you were bought with a price. And we know from Acts 20 and 28, that is the blood of Jesus. We are purchased with the blood of the Lord. We were bought with a price. Why must there have been a payment made? Well, it has to do really with the attributes of God. Have you ever thought of, just sat down and thought, how many different great attributes God has? There's so many. But let's think about four or five of them. God is perfectly loving. God is perfectly merciful. Okay. God is also perfectly holy. And he is perfectly just. Okay. Now, in his holiness, Habakkuk 1.13 says, God is so pure, he cannot even look upon iniquity. He's perfectly holy. God is perfectly just, which means he cannot ignore sin. He cannot ignore it. Okay. It must be punished. At the same time, the Lord is perfectly loving and merciful, so he wants his people to be saved, even though they're in their sin. So what was he to do? What was, it, what was going to be the plan? What is the only plan to satisfy the Lord in his nature of who he is. Well, there's only one plan. And that is for there to be the perfect sacrifice. Basically the perfect sacrifice of himself. That is his son. The son of God. Okay. And you read about this in the truth of God. Okay. So think about these five primary attributes of God. He's perfectly loving perfectly merciful, he's perfectly holy, he's perfectly just, and he's perfectly true. And he has explained how he has brought the plan of redemption 
to the earth in the truth, which is the word of God. That's why we're able to know about this. So just from a practical standpoint, we need to think about Jesus and how he paid it all. I love that word all because you remember some of the last words of Jesus as he died on the cross. John 19, 30 and 31. It says, Jesus simply said, he said, finished. In our Bibles it says, it is finished. It's really one word. Jesus just yelled out, finished, finished. He, he had paid the price. Jesus paid it all. And going back to the book of Romans for a second, Romans 4 verse 5 says, we can be counted or reckoned as righteous. You see, because of Jesus' death and because of our obedience to his will, then Romans 4 verse 5 says, we then can be counted as righteous. And then we're able to receive all the blessings of being a, a child of the Lord, both here and in the future. That, isn't that a great, great thought? Isn't that a great story? So from a technical standpoint, Jesus paid it all. From a practical standpoint, uh, Jesus paid it all. Now, from a personal standpoint, this, is, this may be most important here. Isaiah 50 verse 6 says, it's a prophecy of Jesus. It says, he gave his back to those who would strike him, the smiters, the, tr- the strikers. He gave his back. Okay. This is a prophecy, a preview of the cruel beating that Jesus would receive in our behalf. Okay. And I want you to think about that. The Lord knew long before he ever came to this earth, that in coming he would receive a cruel beating in our behalf. Now, we mentioned Wednesday night in our studies together, Mark fifteen fifteen. Jesus was scourged. He was scourged. He was whipped. He was beaten. Luke twenty two sixty three. I think there it actually says, as they mocked him, they beat him. So they, at every opportunity, they were beating on him during his trial. It was a mockery of all mockeries, the trial of Jesus. And so it needs to become personal to us. Jesus paid it all. We need to, we need to personalize his suffering, which takes us back then to 1 Peter 2.24, where it says, By his wounds, by his stripes... We are healed. We've made mention before of the fact that that word wounds there or stripes in, in the original language is actually singular in nature. It's singular. It's a singular word. Why would you use a single singular word to describe the beating of Jesus? Okay. The old scholars say the reason for it is this, that After the scourging of Jesus, if you looked at him, it would appear as if his whole body, being so so disembobulated, so messed up, that when you looked at him, it would look like there was one big bruise there with blood gushing out. 
by his wound, that is, by his huge conglomerate mess of a bruisy body with blood gushing out, he offered himself for our sins. By his wound, by his bloody body, we are healed. And then jumping back to Isaiah 53, verse 5, he was wounded for our transgressions. Notice that. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Or other translations have there instead of bruised, he was crushed. He was crushed for our iniquities. From a technical, practical and a personal standpoint, Jesus paid it. Paid it all. And so naturally, the person with a heart, a good and honest heart, will respond and say, what do I owe? And that's how this little girl was feeling back in the 1860s. If Jesus paid it all, what do I owe? I owe all to him I owe. In Romans 1, 14, Paul seemed to think he owed the Lord because he says, I'm indebted to the Greeks, and the barbarians, to the wise, the unwise. And he wanted those in Rome to know that he was coming to Rome to preach the gospel. That was his debt, a debt he'd never be able to pay back. No way we can pay the Lord back. But we ought to serve as if we can. All to him I owe. Every decision in life must spring from what we have just discussed under that first column. The second column is all to him I owe. But every decision we make in life has to spring from that first column. Jesus paid it all. Every decision. Every decision ought to be made in light of what the Lord has done for us. And then what does he ask from us? Well, I'd like to go with this column again with three quick standpoints. I want you to think about what people gave up and sacrificed before Jesus ever died. Just in, in anticipation of his death. Think about those wise men who came a long way to worship, Matthew chapter 2. They came a long way for, to worship and they, gave, they opened up their treasure box and they gave to Jesus treasures, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Look how far they came to honor the Lord. It's before his death. We know what happened with John the Baptist. We read about it in Matthew chapter 14. He gave up his life. He gave up his head in anticipation of the death of Jesus. In Mark chapter 12, 41 to 44, Jesus pointed out in the temple area an older widow lady. And though monetarily she was not giving as, many, as much as the others, but in reality she was giving more than anybody because she was giving all that she had. All that, notice that. She's giving all her living, and this is before Jesus died on the cross. 
We read in Luke 5, Matthew, the tax collector, it says Jesus came to him, Luke 5, 27, 28. And when he heard Jesus, he forsook everything and followed him. Have you ever noticed that? He forsook everything and followed him. Now here's a guy, he's got a government job. Is he out of his mind giving up a government job? He is secure. The Roman government's going to be around a long time. All he's got to do is keep on collecting his taxes. Is he out of his mind? No. He sees the Lord. He leaves everything and follows Christ. Matthew 26, beginning about verse 6. It's probably Mary in the house of Simon the leper. And she comes in with this alabaster box full of ointment, expensive ointment. And as you know, she, she puts this on the body of Jesus, on, on his feet especially, and wipes his feet. The disciples, especially Judas, complained and said, hey, this could have been, have been sold. This ointment could have been sold and, and the money given to the poor. Jesus said, you let her alone. She understands what's coming. This is done as a memorial unto my death. She understands what's coming. You leave her alone. You see, most of the time when there is someone who's being very, very generous and sacrificial, it exposes those who are selfish and cowardly. And Judas, Judas and some, even some of the other disciples were exposing themselves in the very face of this very generous and sacrificial and devoted lady. Even before his death, even in anticipation of his death, Jesus had not yet paid it all, but just in anticipation of it, look what all was given up for his name. Think about his mother and how she accepted. Luke one thirty eight, when when the angel explained to her that, you know, she would have this son. She didn't know what was ahead of her. She just said, Lord, be it unto me according to your word. I'm just simply your handmaid. I am your bondservant. I'm your handmaid. And we find her there at the cross. She stuck to her word. And even though they did terrible things to her son, she never left his side. Look what she gave up emotionally just in anticipation of Jesus dying. Now, the second standpoint, of course, is what did people give up and sacrifice after Jesus had paid the price at Calvary? Well, it's just a, just a great survey of the book of Acts. If you look at Acts chapter 4, 32 to 37, people sold their houses and their lands and their possessions in order for others to have what they needed. Acts 4, 32 to 37. We see in Acts 5, 41 and 42 that Peter and John took a beating for the Lord. And right after they took that beating, they went out and went right back house to house, went back to the temple and, start, and kept on preaching Jesus and his truth and his gospel. See. Acts chapter 6, we see that there was a need for the Grecian widows and people uh, gave generously toward that need. And people gave up their time to, to meet that need. Acts chapter 7, 54 to 60, we see that Stephen was stoned. Why is he being stoned? Because Jesus paid it all. He's preaching and he's teaching because Jesus 
page at all. Acts chapter 8 is all about Philip the Evangelist. Philip the Evangelist, he gave up his life. He's going here and there. He's going to Samaria. He's going to meet the, the eunuch as he's coming back from worship in Jerusalem. He's giving up his life to preach the gospel. Think about what people gave up because Jesus paid it all. Acts chapter 11, 27 to 30, there was a famine that was coming upon the land and the disciples of the Lord set aside a great huge sum of money in order to help those who were afflicted by the famine. Acts chapter 14, later in the chapter, Paul is in Lystra. He had been in Iconium. He's, he's preaching. He's preaching the whole truth and people are listening in Iconium. But some of the unbelieving Jews came from Iconium down to Lystra and they began to stir the people up. And Paul got himself stoned there. And they surrounded Paul. And they thought he was dead. But somehow or another he, got to, he, he rose up and kept going. We remember Paul coming in Acts 16 to the area of Philippi. And, and um, he got himself, he and Silas got himself arrested for preaching and doing good works there. And they, they laid many blows upon him. Notice that Acts 16.23. They laid many blows upon him. Him and Silas both. Many blows. We don't know how many that is. Many blows. Okay. And they put them in an inner prison, put their hands and feet in stocks, and then we find them singing and praising uh, to the Lord there at midnight in the prison so the other prisoners heard them. Why are they doing this? Because Jesus paid it all. He paid it all. And that's just a sampling of how people have responded uh, early on uh, to the fact that Jesus died on the cross. So from the standpoint of, of before Jesus died and after he died and now from the standpoint right now, right now, how am I going to respond? Someone might say, well, I'm going to respond. I do owe Jesus something. I'm going to give him part of my life. I'm going to give him part of my money. I'm going to give him part of my time. I'm going to give him part of my energy. Okay. That might sound nice, but that doesn't really square with what we read in the Bible. Jesus said, Matthew 22, 37-39, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind, all thy strength, every bit of it. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12 and 15, one of my favorite all-time passages, he said, I would gladly spend and be spent for your soul. Do you think Paul had a sense of what Jesus did for him on the cross? I would gladly spend and be spent he says in 2 Corinthians 12, 15. In Philippians 2, 17, he says, If it comes down to my sacrifice in serving your faith to the Philippians, he said, I will gladly rejoice in that as well. In other words, Paul says, If I am poured out as a drink offering, Philippians 2, 17, if I, in other words, if, if I'm having to offer up my body in service to God, if it will serve your faith, I will gladly do it and I will rejoice in doing it. How can a man talk that way? Because he understands 
Jesus paid it all. I love Paul's statement here in Acts chapter 20. And if you have any sense whatsoever, you'll, you'll turn over there and mark this verse. Acts chapter 20, as he speaks to the elders at Ephesus, he says in Acts twenty twenty three, he says, I know and I am in going to Jerusalem and in every city. I want you to notice that. He says, I'm going to Jerusalem and I also know that in every city, imprisonment and afflictions wait on me. But then verse 24, he says, I do not count my life as any value nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. I don't count my life as dear to myself, Paul said. And then this one, Revelation 12, verse 11. They overcame the dragon, representing Satan there. Revelation 12, verse 11. They overcame the old dragon, the old serpent. How? By the blood of the Lord, by the word of their testimony, and because they love not their life even unto death. So how does it fit your brain? How does this fit the way you're going? How does this square with your approach to life? The death of Jesus either brings a huge change to us or it's nothing to us. It, even, it either brings great courage to us or it is nothing to us. It either brings great sacrifice to us into our lives or it's nothing to us. There's, there's no middle ground. Jesus once said, Matthew 12 and 30, He that's not with me is against me. He that gathers not with me scatters abroad. If we can assist anyone, no matter where you're listening from this morning, we can assist you with any spiritual need. Don't you see how much the Lord loves us? Don't you see it? Just imagine, if you will, the, the back of Jesus. He gave his back, okay? But then he gave his whole self for our sins. And we can be reckoned as righteous there in Romans 4 verse 5. But also Romans teaches that we must be baptized into Christ, Romans 6, 3 and 4, in order to be able to walk in that newness of life and receive forgiveness of sins. Let's stand right now and sing the song of encouragement. Let's all stand and sing.